I tell you a really neat thing that happened this week. <clears throat> you know, you may know this about The Rock, but one of our passions is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with anyone and everyone. And we try to find as many ways as we can do that. Well, this week we have a, <clears throat> a dear lady. Her name is Julie Von Vett. And Julie's probably my age, approximately maybe a little younger. <clears throat> She's a creation scientist, highly, highly educated. She's written several books. And she actually teaches many of our uh, families here home educate. And one Monday a month, they have a homeschool co-op. And she teaches the science class. <clears throat> she speaks in different places in the U.S. And she was just invited to Fiji, the islands of Fiji, in which they are going to put her book in every public school in the entire island. And so she asked us if we would partner with her. I walked up to her one day, in fact. <clears throat> I went to the, my, my kids go to the, my grandchildren go to the co-op. And so one Monday I went and I wanted to meet her personally and thank her for teaching the students. And we handed out her book. It's entitled um, uh, Inspired Evidence, Only One Reality. And we handed 2,000 of them out to you guys at Faith Walkers several years ago. So I wanted to personally go and thank her <clears throat> and tell her how much it meant to me to share the book and how much it meant to me that my grandchildren got to hear her speak. She is a young earth creation scientist. And um, she got a little bit emotional. She said, you know, Mark, you have no idea how much it means to me. And she said, in my own church, they won't let me hand out this book. And I told her, well... You let me know, we'll hand them out wherever we can. And so we're going to be buying $5,000 worth of those books for her. She's looking to get others to partner with her and help her get those in the schools in Fiji. But you may not know this. You can look this up online. It's not a lie. The Fiji Islands used to be filled with cannibals. And some missionaries brought the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Fiji Islands. In fact, one of the, one of the missionaries, I just looked this up tonight before I came to make sure I didn't misquote this. He was supposedly the last one that was ever eaten. It was a missionary. <clears throat> and the island, by the thousands, converted to Jesus Christ. And now the government's allowing this book in every public school. It's phenomenal. One of the most destructive, pervasive lies that has been so destructive to the gospel of Jesus Christ is evolution. And so we're, we're just thrilled. We're thrilled to be part of that. I just wanted you to know that, and you can be praying for that. So we're doing a series right now entitled Lights to the World, Ambassadors for Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and last week, we looked at a verse in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14. And Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he says, You are the light of the world. <clears throat> you are the light of the world. No one puts a light under a basket or hides it. In a room, but they put it up for all to see. You were meant to be a shining light on a hill. Therefore, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who's in heaven. And so last week, we focused on good deeds. We focused on the power of good deeds and that every person, no matter who we are, even young or old or somewhere in between, married or single, Busy mom, husband, all of us can participate in some way in good deeds. It may be as simple as a smile. It may be as simple as shoveling neighbor's driveway. It may be a little more, like I shared last week, of my daughter 
looking online to find a job for her neighbor girl who is out of work, whose husband is in jail right now, or fiance is in jail, and the job that Jesse found for her, she went and applied, she got it. Then she needed a roommate, so Jessica and Mark put together a little letter, sent it out to as many people as they could, and then Jessica made personal calls, and lo and behold, wow, she found an old friend, very trustworthy, just the kind of person, actually, that this young girl needs to live with her, who's very motherly, a mother herself, a grandmother, and this young lady, both of her parents, died of cancer. She's only 26 years old, has no family. Someone got involved, someone cared. Tonight I watched Dirk and Brandon walk in front of me, and they have been helping a young man named Stephen, who came here from California, very difficult situation with his three children. He had to go back because of some legal matters. They've been making phone call after phone call after phone call to the social system in California. They've got a little RV that was donated. It's out on Brandon's farm in Wisconsin, and he and his family are going to allow Stephen and his children to live in that RV. Jessica helps watch the kids while he goes to work. Brandon found him a job. I'm telling you, it is just so profound, the possibilities when we just extend ourselves, when we go, wow, Lord, you want to use me as a light in the world, as a light in the world. It could be something far simpler than that. <clears throat> One day, my neighbor lady, her name is Toi, and Toi came here when Saigon fell in 1975. She was airlifted from Vietnam and really got out just in time before the whole country went communist. <clears throat> She's my neighbor. Um, we live in this twin house, so she, we share a driveway. And I'll never forget one morning, <clears throat> my, she came knocking on my door real early in the morning, <clears throat> and she held up <clears throat> a pair of jumper cables. She said, Mark, call, call start, call start. And so it was very early, and I never, I like to help people, but I like to have my teeth brushed and my hair fixed before I help people. So I, I, I quick said, I'll be right out. I ran upstairs, I put water in my hair, brushed my teeth really fast, and, you know, made myself a little more presentable, and I went down. Well, unfortunately, she had one of those fancy cars. In the old days, you just put a car in neutral and back it out. Hers won't. Unless it's running, it won't go into neutral. <clears throat> so it was snowing really bad. And there's one thing you have to know that I can't stand. I despise rush hour traffic. I plan my entire life around rush hour traffic. So I'm standing there, I'm looking at Toi, I'm looking at her car, and I know what the Lord wants me to do. And there's this, you know, Schmeagel and Gollum moment going on inside of my heart. I'm like, Lord, I want to be a light, but I don't want to drive her to work in Eden Prairie in rush hour on 494. I don't want to do this. Toi, she didn't know that was going on. That was milliseconds, see? That struggle that we all have sometimes. I said, Toi. Could I drive you to work this morning? Mark, Mark, drive to work? I said, I would be glad to drive you to work. And I meant that. The old man, who cares what he thinks? The new guy wanted to help. <clears throat> so I got in the car. I drove her to Eden Prairie at five miles an hour. And I'm, oh. So we talked. Just listening to her life growing up. That helped me. That was distracting in a good way. <clears throat> I got back home. And I thought to myself, <clears throat> she's a single mom. She had three children at home. And the Lord said to me, Mark, 
change your battery. You know she's going to call the Toyota dealer. They'll come out. They'll charge her 150 bucks plus another 100 for the battery. You know you can go to Walmart, get her the highest cold cranking amp. You can put the thing in for $98. Lord, I'll do that. So I got my I told went and knocked on the door. I said, Lisa, tell your mom, don't call Toyota. I'm here. And I'm going to go get a battery, and I'm going to put it in. She's, what? I said, yes, I'm going to put it in. So I get back, and I, I know how to do these kinds of things. I used to sell batteries. I used to be in that business. So I go home, I put it in. And then the Lord said to me, the last thing he said to me, he said, Mark, you pay for it. Gift it to her. I'm like, okay, Lord, I'll gift it. I mean, you gave me your son. I can give a battery. So I wrote a little note. I gave it to Lisa that night. Twa comes over to the front door and she knocks on the door and she's a little bit emotional and she goes Mark, I, you, 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 here I want to give you this, I said, it's a gift, we just wanted to help you I realize life is difficult and challenging and we, well our family cares about you very much she wrote us a note, Christmas was not too long after that, she goes Mark and Kathy I feel like angels moved in next door to us, well we're not angels we're children of God, that's better <laughs> anyone can do these things right there's all kinds of things we can do. It might be raking, and sometimes I motor lawn. In fact, for the last almost 18 years, I've just paid Spring Green from Rochester to spray my side and her side. Otherwise, there's one million dandelions. That's a rough guess. There's a lot of them. I'm like, Lord, it's, not, it's, just, it's $43 three times during the summer. I can do this. <clears throat> there's so many ways that we can be lights to the world. Now, we're going to move on, though. We're going to move on to the ambassadorship that Christ has given us. We have a special role to play in this world. If you've ever read the Gospels, there's a man in the Gospels, right, that comes before Jesus. What's his name? John. John who? John the Baptist. Did John have a special role in the world? He did, right? You read it, you go, wow. Jesus said, of all the, those born among women, there was none greater than John the Baptist, and yet the least among you is greater. John the Baptist prepared the way for the Lord. There's no doubt when you read the Gospels, you go, wow. John the Baptist had a significant role. Guess what? You have a significant role, as significant role as John the Baptist. For God will use you. When you understand your ambassadorship as a representative in the lives of people, and I'm going to get to who those people, some of them may be, and your life and the message of your mouth and the way in which you conduct yourselves helps prepare the way of the Lord for their heart. And most of us, you don't grasp that. That changes the way you live your life when you begin to see, wow, I have a special calling on my life. Now, I'm going to read this to you so you know I'm not making this up, okay? So we're going to read tonight from the book of 2 Corinthians and chapter 5. The Apostle Paul is writing, and he says this. <clears throat> so our ambition is to please the Lord Jesus always, whether we're here in this body or away from the body. It is because we know this solemn fear of the Lord that we work so hard to persuade others. 
God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. Are we trying to pat ourselves on the back? No. We are giving you a reason to be proud of us, so you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart before God. If it seems that we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. Whatever we do, it is because Christ's love controls us, compels us, urges us on, and overpowers us. Since we believe that Christ died for everyone, we also believe that we have all died to the old life we used to live. He died for everyone, so those who receive his new life in Christ will no longer live to please themselves. They will live instead to please Christ, who died and was raised for them. So we've stopped looking at others the way the world thinks about them. Once I mistakenly thought of Christ that way, as though he were merely a human being. How differently I think about him now. What this means is that those who become Christians become a brand new person. The old is gone. They're not the same anymore. A new life has begun, and a new way of life has begun. All this newness of life is from God, who through us, who brought us back to himself through Jesus Christ and what he did. And God has given us the task, the mission, the ministry of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. This is the wonderful message he has given us to tell others. We are Christ's ambassadors. We are Christ's representatives. And God is using us to speak to you. As God's partner, we beg you not to reject this marvelous message of God's great kindness. Then listen to these words of Paul. We try to live in such a way that no one will be hindered from finding the Lord by the way we act. And so no one can find fault with our ministry. That's one of my life verses. My passion in the way I deal with you. In the way that Ryan, Carl, and I, and those who help lead, we seek to live and lead our ministry, is to live in such a way that no one would be hindered from finding the Lord because of the way we act, and that no one could find genuine fault with our ministry. Many will find fault. And Paul goes on to write this. He says this, In everything we do, we try to show that we are true ministers of God. We patiently endure troubles, hardships, and calamities of every kind. We've been beaten, put in jail, worked to exhaustion, endured sleepless nights, gone without food. We proved ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, our kindness, our sincere love, and the power of the Holy Spirit. We have faithfully preached the truth. God's power has been working in us. We serve God whether people honor us or despise us, whether they slander us or praise us. We are honest, but they call us imposters. We're well known, but we are treated as unknown. We live close to death, but here we are still alive. We have been beaten. I have not been physically, but definitely emotionally. Within an inch of our life, our hearts ache, but we always have real joy. We're poor, but we have spiritual riches to give to others. We own nothing, really, but we have everything. 
And so you see all of that flows from the Apostle Paul. From his ambassadorship for Jesus Christ. His passion to represent Christ well in this world. And so you see the flow. The flow is once we were merely human, we were dead spiritually. We lived selfish lives. Can you raise your hand if you'd be willing to acknowledge, before Christ, I lived a very selfish life. Raise your hand. A very self-destructive life. A very arrogant, a life driven by our cravings, whatever those were. We come to Christ, and a new life has begun through the message of Jesus Christ. Someone shared it with you. It might have been here at the Rock one night years ago. It might have been a relative or a friend. Or someone handed you a piece of literature or a book. But someone shared the message with you. And chances are there was someone in your life before Christ who showed you some sort of kindness. And now Christ lives in you. And Paul is trying to tell us in the scriptures, God is telling us, we're not to live for ourselves anymore, but for Christ. The Jesus way of life is what I like to call it. The Jesus way of life in submission to the Father. Living for the honor and glory of God. That what I do and how I live and how I carry on my life reflects well on the Jesus brand. You ask yourself that question. Is the way I live my life enhancing the Jesus brand or detracting from the Jesus brand? That's a very important question to ask yourself. We have been given the message, the gospel. We've been given the gospel. The good news that God loved the world. He loved us in our sin, in our deprivation, our degradation, in our depravity, in our rebellion, in our brokenness, in our lust, in our sin, in all of our garbage. And he loved us. And gave his son for us. I like how the living Bible says this. This is really cool. I I think it's there. So God took the sinless Christ and poured into him our sins. Then in exchange, he poured God's goodness into us. That's the great exchange. That's the gospel. But a person has to be willing to embrace that message. But as many as received him, to them he's given the right to become children of God, even to them that believe in his name. They have to hear the message. They have to receive the message. Some of you know, and some of you are supporting, and I thank you very much, the Salvage Project and Jeremy, my son's work, as he goes into prisons and shares the gospel. Many people, we think of, you know, they're there, they got what they deserve. They're shut away in basically human warehouses. And it's necessary in a society, if we're going to help bring safety and protection to others, there has to be laws. But often they're forgotten. And God put this passion on Jeremy's heart and ours. Let's get the gospel to broken people, to those who others may not think about. And he goes in, and now I would say he's had had the opportunity to share with thousands Thousands, and literally now, probably in the last several years, close to a thousand men and or women, maybe more, have actually, at the end of his concerts and preaching, prayed to receive Jesus Christ. Someone 
How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. But all of us are meant in some way to be involved. All of us. You may not be the kind of person that could stand. I don't know that I could go in prisons and stand. Jeremy has a connection in a way I don't have. Each of us have different abilities or gifts. Some of us are going to be really good just with a friend. Some of us can hand a Case for Christ book to a friend. I have a young man here tonight, and uh, many of us were praying for him. Didn't know for sure if he knew the Lord or not. And one day, a person he met at a coffee shop invited him to go see the movie, The Case for Christ. And I got a text, email, because I don't do text, but it came to me as an email. Hallelujah, praise God, this lost sinner has found Jesus. I finally got it, Mark. I went to this movie. Wow, wow, someone took the time to invite him. The gospel. We have the Holy Spirit in us. Jesus said in, in, in Acts 1.8, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Judea, Samaria, and yes, to the world. <clears throat> and that's our secret. We have the power. If I didn't have the Holy Spirit, I wouldn't be here tonight. I'll tell you that right now. I'm too self-conscious. I mean, the older I get, I look in the mirror, the more funny things are on my face. I don't really like it. You wonder why I don't have Facebook? You don't see a lot of photos? I don't really like me in photos. No, my teeth are getting kind of yellow. I got one that's kind of getting dark. I probably should get it fixed. It's $1,000 to do that and then another two for the other. And I'm like, well, Lord, I don't know what to do. I'm going to get new teeth someday anyway. I'm not quite sure what to do. And then I got this red thing on my nose. It's called a cherry angioma. And sometimes it bleeds this morning. I bled for 20 minutes. wouldn't stop. I can go have it lasered for 1000 but I don't know. I got people that I'm supporting. You know, I don't. If it weren't for the Holy Spirit, what I'm trying to tell you is I'm a very self conscious person. You'd never know that. I am. Very self. I'm very, you know, but the Lord just changed. I mean, the love of Christ compels me, drives me on. That's the secret power. He loves me, and I love him back, and I want him to use my one solitary life before it's gone. That's why Jeremy had us learn that song. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Use me. Use me for your glory. Use me. We've been given a way of life as an ambassador. We're to be holy and pleasing to the Lord. Ambassadors for Christ who love and care for the world around us. Who are known for, who are known for our kindness, our good deeds, and, and our thoughtful, considerate way in which we deal with other people. For the thoughtful and considerate way that we deal with other people. <clears throat> I want to close with a couple ways in which you can do this. I want to ask you to ponder how do you live your life. Does your life make Christ attractive to the world? Does your life... You know, in Jesus, I didn't share this this time, but in Matthew chapter 5, he actually tells us two things. He tells us we're the salt of the earth, we're the light of the world. Do you know what salt does? Salt makes food more flavorful. Does your life make the, the message of Christ flavorful? Secondly, salt makes people thirsty. Does your life cause others to want what you have? So let me tell you how this has impacted me. Most of my Christian life, you have to understand this, <clears throat> has been as a married father. Most of my Christian life. Out of the 42 and a half years I've been following Christ, 
I was engaged at year 40 and married at 39 this coming May. The first, first, first place that I got up every single day and thought about, I'm a representative, is my children. My children. Do you know the tragedy, the catastrophe that American Christianity, we are failing in almost 80% of the time to win our own children to Jesus Christ. Now, the world doesn't help, which is why I'm a fanatic about home education. And the world is not your friend. The world is an enemy, and they do everything they possibly can to divert, distract, pervert, and destroy your child's desire to know the living God. But I'll tell you this as a father, and as a pastor, as a man who's well-read, the number one most destructive force in a child's life is a hypocritical mother and father. You know what Jesus said? Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. How many children have I known over the years, and as I look back, that I saw, mom and dad said one thing, but at home they lived another Dad was all smiley at church. Mom was all smiley at church. But you come home, and it was, wow, a completely different story. One of the greatest motivations in my life, not the only, but one of the greatest, was those precious children, and it, and it drove me to my knees. God changed me. God helped me grow, helped me become a more holy, patient, loving, understanding man who is winsome to my children. Is my life winsome to my children? Is my marriage winsome? Marriage is hard. Marriage is stressful. Marriage puts your life under like a magnifying glass of heat in which selfishness boils to the top. Trust me. It can get really, really difficult. I know. I've been there almost 39 years married. But I've grown. I didn't stay there. And my children, yes, there were times I spoke in ways I, it was not a good representation of how I spoke to the mother. And I acknowledged it to them and I asked them to forgive me and told them that it was wrong. I didn't just pretend it wasn't there. And I grew and I kept seeking the Lord to grow and grow to become more like my Savior. How are we with our children? How about your extended family? Let's talk about that in a moment. You're going home for the holidays. Next Thursday's Thanksgiving. Christmas is coming. I want you to think very carefully about this. You know one of the reasons family is so hard to win for Jesus? How many of you have family members you're going to be around who don't know the Lord yet? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Really high. Okay, almost all of us. <clears throat> Let me tell you why family members can be so difficult to win to Christ. Because they know what you're really like. Because <laughs> they know you. Because you have a track record with them. I did too. I did too. Here's some practical things. <clears throat> Again, don't know where you, on, where you are on this continuum of your own life and journey with Jesus. But one of the first things that I did, one of the very first things I did actually with my mother, it was the night, the morning after I gave my life to Christ and broke up with my girlfriend in the immoral relationship that I had. I got up the very next morning very early. I sat at the kitchen table waiting for my mother to come. I knew she'd be the first one up. And she saw me there in clothes I hadn't worn in a very long time. 
because I knew that would be pleasing to her. I never cared before it was pleasing to her. She saw me. Tears welled up in her eyes. I couldn't stop mine. I said, Mom, please sit down. Um, I got something really important to tell you. She sat down. I said, Mom, last night your prayers were answered. You've been praying for me all these years. I gave my life to Christ last night. And Mom, I wanted to beg your forgiveness. I have been a horrible son. Especially as a teenager, I've made your life extremely difficult. Then I went to my father. Then I went to my five siblings. I was the oldest of all six. And then I began to share things they never saw me share before. Like, you know my sports car kids? I had a 1600 Datsun Roadster. Uh, You want to learn how to drive a manual? I'll teach you. If I'm home, you need a car, you know how to drive it, you can use it. They were stunned. My old albums, I wasn't about to keep listening. I knew I loved Led Zeppelin. I couldn't listen to it anymore. I loved Foghat. I loved Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. I can't listen to that anymore. They weren't in the same place in the journey. I said, you want to use my albums? You can. You want some of my clothes? You can. Whatever. I began to serve around the home. I didn't wait to be asked. I vacuumed the floor voluntarily. I helped cook Thanksgiving dinner where before I just sat and would sort of badge my mom. Are we going to eat pretty soon? I'm starving. Are we going to eat pretty soon? And you know how you are. You just sit there on your big old mine, skinny little bottom and say, Mom, when are we going to eat? Come on. Come on. Let's eat. And she'd been slaving away for eight hours already. As time went on, there were new challenges the Lord gave to Kathy and I with her family. We went through an extremely difficult time with her family. But you know what kept me always at the forefront of my mind? I represent Christ. 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 I represent him. I'm not my own anymore. My life is not mine. And we're going to take what they dish out and love them anyway. And so we did all we could to honor them. Some of you come from a Catholic background. Let me tell you those. Just, just pray about this. When Christmas comes, I know you're a born-again Christian. Cool. Awesome. You know Jesus. Awesome. And you know the truth. Awesome. If your mom asks you to go to Mass, go with her. Go. You'd be glad you did. Just go. Just go. Realize that, that there, often Jesus is mentioned there. Now, they may talk too much about Mary, your particular one. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. They may do things that you go, well, that's kind of odd. That's kind of weird. I don't see that in the Bible. Get over it. And just realize, you know what, Mom? I'm here for you because I love you, Mom. I love you. And sometime, have you ever thought of this? I've done this before. I've taught people. I'm going to end in just a moment. <clears throat> when, when Mom goes, well, you know, honey, I, 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 don't, I, I don't know if you can really be a real Christian because you, you left the Holy Catholic Church. And you just say, Mom, I just want you to know you played such an important role in my life, Mom. When I was little and you brought me to Mass, and, you know, I didn't understand everything the priest always said, but I heard Jesus a lot, and I heard about the Holy Family. And, you know, Mom, it created in me a hunger. And God used that hunger over the years, Mom, and your love to help me find Jesus. That's all you have to say. That's all you have to say. Give your mom the credit that she deserves. And in her own way, probably many of your mothers prayed for you and prayed for you. Maybe they prayed to marry for you. Well, you know, they prayed. That was the point. You're trying to honor them. Don't go home. Listen, tell you another secret. Tell you another secret. Don't go home and spout conservative politics. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. Just relax. Chill out. 
If they want to talk about everything that's going on in Capitol Hill and all this, you know, oh, that Ray Moore guy and that, oh, it's so much, you know, just say, wow, you know, Mom and Dad, you're right, it's a sad world we live in. But I'm so glad that we have each other. That makes, it makes me so thankful, Mom and Dad, that here we are around Thanksgiving dinner. Here we are. You see that? You see the skill of you just divert the whole conversation. And get on to something positive. Just don't put your hands on your hip and go, okay, do we have to talk about politics and Hillary and Bill and, and Donald? And I, I just, I'm sorry, I'm leaving. Don't do that. You represent Jesus. Don't you think that when Jesus is eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners that the Pharisees called scum, that some uncomfortable things came up at the table? Come on. We weren't born yesterday. And Jesus just didn't get entangled with that kind of stuff. Stay on mission. Stay on task. And live a winsome life. We become all thanks to all men that we might win as many as possible. We're not unrighteous. We live with integrity. But we can also learn to be considerate and thoughtful and realize, you know what? I'm not getting one last thing. Nope, I got to close. Let's pray. Lord, Lord, thank you so much for your loving kindness, your mercy. Help us, Lord. Give us wisdom. Give wisdom. We have the Spirit of God in us. Give us wisdom as we live as representatives of Jesus Christ in this world. I pray you give everyone a very special Thanksgiving. That as they head into Thanksgiving this year, they pray for the people they're going to be with this year. Pray over their family. And pray over their own life. And watch their words. And watch our attitude. And come bearing gifts if possible. Smoked salmon. Or, I don't know, an epic bar. Something for our family members. Bless these men and women. Use them in this world. In Jesus' name.